Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You know, we do our best to stay out of media. Welcome to the September edition of Signal, a podcast from the Medianet. I'm your host, James Poulter, recording in the heart of London this afternoon with two very interesting people. One that you know pretty well, Mr. Sam Hales, Deputy Editor of Christianity Magazine. Hello, Sam. Hello, James. And one that you maybe don't know so well, but I'm so pleased to introduce you to longtime friend and collaborator here in the digital media Christian space, uh, Mr. Terry Storch. Hey, Terry, how are you? I am doing great. And Terry, you come to us from where? I am from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, in the <laughs> great states of the United States of America. And we won't do anything cliche around making you sing various musical ditties around that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Terry comes to us as, uh, well, you can better describe it to us, Terry. What, what yeah. is it that you do? What takes up your time during the, the average week? That is a tough question to answer, but I'll make it as simple as possible. I am a pastor at Life Church, uh, based in Oklahoma City, and I have the opportunity to lead all of our digital digerati efforts, which most would be more familiar um, with the YouVersion Bible app, and so had the opportunity to co-found that uh, nearly ten years ago now, and been a part of that, and then all of the other kind of digital and innovation uh, elements of the church, which spans a number of different facets, both inside the church and also. Platform platforms that you guys share out to the kind of the the global church as well, right? absolutely correct. Absolutely. So all of the resources that we give away to the global church um, all across the world, but down uh, to the simple things of in charge of all of our IT infrastructure and and all of those things as well. So if you plug it into a wall or it's digital in any way, I'm probably (laughs) responsible for it. So a fairly large uh, task there, and we're going to be getting into that in more detail coming up later on in the show as we begin to dig into the history a little bit around you version the bible app and all things to do with that uh, with terry coming up but he's gonna be joining us here for the whole episode and uh, we'll be going into the news review but for, before i get into any of that i need to tell you about something very important coming up 
coming to all of you very soon. And that is on the 19th of October, we will be gathering here in London for the next iteration of the annual conference run by the MediaNet, which is the Church and Media Conference. And it is going to be an absolutely fabulous time because mainly, not just because Sam and I and Ruth, who's usually with us, will be there. Of course, that adds something to it, which very few could ask for um, more of. But we've got some amazing speakers lined up, including people like Giles Fraser, who is most of you probably know as a journalist and broadcaster, but also the, the priest at St Mary's in Newington. We've got Sally Bundock from the BBC and Paul Carenza as well, an English comedy writer who will also be joining us on the show in an upcoming episode. Uh, myself, I'll be there doing a few things and um, we've got many others besides. So we would love to see you there and there is still time for you to get tickets for the conference. So go and sign up on themedianet.org. It's Thursday the 19th of October coming up, the Church and Media Conference. Please go and get your tickets now. Okay, moving on to the news review and a couple of interesting stories coming up and we'll also be digging into a little bit of Terry's background as well. But first, I throw it over to Sam. What have you been reading this past month that's got your attention? Well, one of the things I've been reading over the past month that I'd love to have a discussion on with you two tech experts is the news that Radio 4, uh, the Today programme on Radio 4, will no longer just limit itself to doing a newspaper review and looking at what the Times and the Guardian and the Sun and all the rest of them have to say, but instead will be expanding it out to include significant stories from influential, is the word they've used, influential online websites and foreign publications as well. But this idea that the newspaper review now in 2017, it's no longer enough just to look at yesterday's news in traditional print media format but we need to bring in what's happening on the web i mean that throws up all kinds of interesting questions for me first of all where on earth do you begin with the internet it's not like with (laughs) newspapers you've got what wherever it's six or seven national newspapers you know where to go to if we're going to broaden it out to the internet who are going to be these trusted sources um it does make sense i've done newspaper reviews before where especially if there's been a really major story that's that's broken since the papers have gone to to press it does just sound ridiculous if you limit yourself to what's in the newspapers and you don't mention for example some terrible terrorist attack that happened after uh, after they went to press so there is a feeling that you have to bring in online sources but also this idea that newspapers they carry a certain weight and um, there's this kind of um, gravitas that comes with them can you get that same sense from buzzfeed i'm not sure is that open to uh, debate but what do you think should we be using online sources in our newspaper reviews in the morning when we listen to radio 4 so this is um, it's breaking down what has been one of these kind of media um you know kind of formats that has lasted for multiple generations and particularly to bring it into the the radio for today program which is the kind of the daily pace setter for many on the on the news agenda here in the uk is that idea that you can break that kind of wall of those who've met certain requirements certain barriers to entry of getting in there and that is as you say that kind of print thing we've obviously lost a number of national newspapers over the past couple of years the news of the world for example as many will remember and it gives us that opportunity to really you know say that these people at least okay you question their ethics maybe you question the stories that they pick but they at least have the funding to be able to put together something on a daily basis which is an actual media product that gets out into the national consciousness and then review what they have to say and you're absolutely right the the kind of transparency that you get from some of these other media sources you cited things like buzzfeed but there are many others obviously as well you know everything from which i'm sure they will go to things like the huffington post things like um you know kind of yahoo news that all of these kind of different sources that have existed for a little while there is a credibility factor that 
that you have to ask without necessarily always knowing the broad circulation of these things, how widely read they are, and particularly for many of them that have come from, uh, you know, Terry, on your side of the, of the world, right. these American institutions that have then subdivided and given themselves, whether it's Mashable UK or it's Refinery49's kind of, you know, homepage for the UK, whatever it might be. That really has changed the landscape. And it, it, I think bringing them into this daily news review, I think it's the natural evolution. It was going to happen sooner or later. But yeah, the qualification of what gets you in there, I think, is is particularly interesting. It, in the States, this isn't this this daily news review. That's something that you, know, you guys experience you know, with all the national broadcasts as well. But maybe the, the makeup of the newspapers slightly different from what we have here. How, how would you see that being different? I would think that this has been a transition in in the U.S. for quite some time. Um, you don't have to drift too far away um, around the world to miss the term called fake news, which uh, <laughs> uh, which has bubbled up yeah, in all sorts of things. We've and, discussed much here on the show as yes, well. And and so I think that that James, I think you're 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 spot on. Is that it's just a natural evolution. It's it's um, it's seemingly a bit silly to even think that it's a debatable topic. <laughs> Um, but but I, I I understand I understand but I I think the weight and the gravitas and just making sure that what is being um, what is being brought to light uh, is a credible source that gets more and more complex uh, as more and more sources um, are are available. However, even in thinking the inverse of that, I think there's some unique opportunities of, of in the midst of those discussion points is is to to even qualify, is it a, a source? And so maybe instead of sticking our head into the sand of things that, that aren't, they might actually be bubbling up, getting a lot of interest along the lines that actually need to be talked about and brought to light and poke holes in them and, and have those discussions as well. I mean, we've also seen in the past couple of weeks, you know, kind of, and this has been quite common for us certainly working in kind of the tech space for a long time that often the people breaking the news people bringing sources you can't necessarily say that they are an institution sometimes it's the individual That's i think right. if you think back over the past week we've had the announcement of yet the next round of iphones both 8 and x which is actually the 10 we won't go into where the 9 went um <laughs> but you know that whole discussion uh, you know many of those kind of um media cycles get started not by a publication at all but by individuals grabbing hold of you know kind of leaked samples or you know breaking things themselves so how far down you kind of go to the level of are we talking about citing people who are inst- quote unquote institutions or are we talking about citing individuals and yeah, that might be the direction that they have to go I can't imagine John Humphreys kind of getting on and, and citing those guys in the middle no, of the, the news review I can't but I, I think you know going back to BuzzFeed I, I mentioned them you know I quipped about them earlier but actually the investigative journalism they've put out has been really impressive and they have as I understand a whole team of investigative journalists now at BuzzFeed doing some incredible work and so actually in that sense I think this this can be only a good thing. We, I think, you know, as uh, as Terry rightly points out, we're, we're past that point now where the traditional media can just ignore the online world. That's no longer an option. And so I think we will start to see more and more of, uh, of this happening in, in slots like, you know, the traditional newspaper review, the traditional media will be going online and saying, well, here's, here's what's happening because they're doing good work. But on, on the issue of bias, I wonder what's the difference, for example, between the Canary as a, as a left-wing bias um, online source and the Guardian? Is, is one more biased than the other? Is one more trustworthy than the other? These are the sorts of interesting questions I think will open up as, as more and more online sources take over. And that's before you even uh, broach the question of whether either of those things could be classed as fake news. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you make the comparison to the kind of the, again, this, this 
exist across the pond in the US and the dynamic there you know you cite examples like the Canary you could draw similar comparisons to things like Breitbart where they are not only news sources and again I use that term quite loosely in this instance but they are also in some cases advocacy groups they're also um, you know they very much have an agenda and in many cases are far more vocal about that agenda than they ever have been and I wonder as Christians and those working in those institutions whether you're on whichever side of the political spectrum you are there is a certain level of how do you kind of become a credible source what does it mean to be a credible source of news in this day and age I think that's something that we are all going to have to wrestle with not just collectively as which organization am I writing for but what am I writing you know how do I show up in a way that means that if someone does some want to use me as a source for the news review as to be able to pick you out of the kind of collection of the other hundred thousand journalists around the world that are writing about that story on that day why should i be the one that gets picked with any kind of level of credibility rather than anything else i think that that's something that people are going to have to wrestle with on a on a day-to-day basis um what what when you're thinking about the media you guys have had an interesting relationship over at life church with the media over many many years how has that changed in terms of their attitude to to you and the bible app and where that's kind of gone over that kind of 10 period 10 year period you know, we do our best to stay out of media. Uh, and, and We brought you right into the center yeah, here. This is, our, the yeah, center. This, is, this is the epicenter. This is the epicenter. So so I'm on the wrong show. <laughs> so, totally kidding. Um, you know, we do, we we really do. We try and stay, um, we try and stay in, in kind of a backhanded posture from, you know, from that standpoint and just do what we feel like God's called us to do. Um, obviously, with some of the things that have, that have come through you version and other things, is that it's very attractive and a lot of people want to hear about you know hear about those stories and so we we want to tell the story and we want to share it we want to share those those pieces the the tension that always comes and what you talked about is that um, sometimes the media in and of itself can be very polarizing um, and especially what I'm familiar with in, in in the US is that is that most media outlets have an agenda that they're you know that they're that they're carrying from a from a highest level and that's the piece that we want to stay out of um, and and our agenda um, is never political um, which unfortunately is where where the US media t- finds itself um, and so that's our posture of normally trying to stay you know stay back out of that is that we 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 tend to not want um, the Bible app or other things that we're doing to accidentally get affiliated with you know with an agenda that was never our, you know, never our desire. Um, so that kind of puts us in a posture of, of kind of stepping back from um, from the media because of that polarization and those things is is typically where we find ourselves. And I think this is the thing that is going to be really interesting to see as you begin to have to broaden out these choices, right? So as we talk about this idea of the newspaper review and then picking the sources, broadly speaking, up until this point, the job has been done for most broadcasters having to do that that segment. It's, you know, the uh, uh, block and tackle kind of piece on most broadcast news um do the paper review because it's really easy you just pick all of the papers up and you go across them but when you start having to be self-selecting about which of those sources to then bring to the fore to actually bring up to that level it's that same discussion yeah it's that same thing that all of us are wrestling there that terry's just explained around personal decision making is that who makes that choice yeah is it the editorial team is it the actual presenters that are going to go into it is it the guests that they bring in and how do they you know particularly the bbc how do they maintain that kind of unbiased balanced and fair um you know kind of credo i think that's going to be a real challenge 
So going from talking about what we consume in the news to talking about Christianity in the news, uh, this is a story that I picked up this weekend from The Guardian, which is interesting to see them uh, reporting on this. And this is um, under the headline, Would You Adam and Eve It? Why Creation Story is at the Heart of a Major Misunderstanding. Now, um, interesting uh, account here. Basically, based on a recent YouGov poll, I'm going to try and get the statistics right on this one. Um, It was commissioned by the Newham University in Birmingham, and they found that 72% of atheists polled believe that someone who is religious would not accept evolutionary science so they're talking about the built-in bias of atheists to believe that most other religious people would you know be straight up seven-day creationist no other kind of question around it but in fact what they found was that 19 percent of religious respondents in the same poll actually rejected darwinism um thinking in favor of literal reading of the book of genesis so flip that on its head 80 percent of those people polled who are religious actually you know were not kind of creationists in the most traditional sense they you know, kind of were open to either interpretations or um you know kind of the darwinian way of thinking now one that this is a subject of any kind of national newspaper interest i still find quite fascinating in many ways it and i think it talks to a broader point yeah we can um lament on the actual statistics here um if you want sam but i think what's really interesting is that and this is where i think we are still far behind our uh, friends in the u.s in terms of the discourse around kind of religious um correspondence and and the subject matter as a whole is that we just keep coming back to hey let's talk about creation again (laughs) and i'm quite tired of it <laughs> like i'm pretty sure there are other things that we can be discussing what what do you think Sam? are you surprised yeah. well I, it's, I yeah i agree with that to a certain extent I, the wider issue that that i keep coming up against is i would say amongst people like our good friend ruth who can't be here today who would describe herself as a christian apolo- apologist she's on holiday a again. superb christian apologist she is <laughs> amongst amongst ruth and her friends you know i think they're very well aware there's no there's no conflict between science and religion per se that's a very dumbed down way of looking at the world and i completely agree with that the problem is on a more popular level i still feel like the average non-christian would say oh well i can't be a christian because science has disproved the bible or because what about the dinosaurs as if as if what about the dinosaurs is a uh, legitimate point um to uh query the resurrection on you know you know what i mean it just seems bizarre but i think there is often a kind of non-christian fixation or assumption that somehow science has just disproved the entire faith and that's what i find interesting is despite amongst those who are perhaps just a little bit more switched on and kind of writing books on this from both sides of the aisle by the Mm. way not just christians but i think atheists as well would accept hang on this is this debate is being just dumbed down to this idea that science in general can somehow disprove religion and that it's just not as simple as that um i think that's the problem we keep running up against and sometimes i think the media doesn't help that um the media just um, perpetuates this kind of myth that there's this constant clash between science and religion and again it just isn't true yeah Terry, do you think yeah, that I, you guys have gone beyond this at this point in the US around kind of, or is the national media still just fixated on this idea of all Christians care about is creationism? Um, I don't know that our national media is fixated on anything except our president. So, um, <laughs> well done. Yeah, so, so, so I think we've got this solved because we have other things <laughs> that are taking more, taking more attention, taking more attention to it. Um, it's definitely uh, um, a bit of an undertone and a bit of a challenge, you know, along those lines. I completely agree um, with your with your view, with your viewpoint of it just being dumbed down. And even that article to me um, seems a bit uh, falling in line with just that. Um, I would really be interested to know the questions that are ants, you know, asked is because to say 80 percent um, don't is, is that just seems that just seems like fake news to me. Um, 
and it just it just seems like it's been so dumbed down to create a narrative that that their agenda is is about and so that's a tough that's a that that's a hard one that's a hard one for me to to comprehend uh, to comprehend that yeah well so, somewhere buried in this in this article is uh, the stat of only 9% of all Britons reject evolutionary theory which mm. again i think yeah. is still a very reductionist way of kind of looking at the I subject i wasn't massively surprised by that because although in christian circles you will find more people People who would defend a kind of seven-day creationist view i think actually even increasingly amongst evangelicals uh, and this is not a right or wrong thing I mean, this is merely an observation amongst evangelicals certainly young evangelicals there seems to be more of an acceptance now of evolutionary theory it's more a kind of theistic evolution approach which would say that um you know th- th- this this point of view would say that they think that, that science has more or less kind of proved that evolution beyond reasonable doubt probably happened so it's just that god somehow mm. guided this this process rather than us having to reject the science of evolution again not a right or wrong judgment just an observation I think more and more evangelicals are becoming more co- more comfortable with things like theistic evolution. So it didn't surprise me that that figure, only 9% of the population, would believe in a kind of literal seven-day creationist view that rejects evolution. I, I do think that is increasingly a minority view. What I'm also interested, though, is this, and this is a, it seems to be an undercurrent at the moment, and particularly if you look at some of the coverage around the recent, uh, what are now upcoming release of uh, the movie uh, The Case for Christ uh, around the Lee Strobel book that um, is you know, actually receiving some, I believe you blogged about it this past week or so Sam around kind of actual finally getting some pickup uh, here in the UK which I I actually still find quite surprising Mm. that it's managed to make its way into mainstream cinemas here Um, you know that there is a slight undercurrent of this kind of apologetics kind of talk coming back up we've obviously recently you know we talked about uh, Sam's rather, uh, you know, kind of um, detailed feelings about the shack, um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and other such films detailed, recently. <laughs> detailed details. I, I leave the scrutiny up to you, as uh, as critic extraordinaire. Um, but you know, the the feelings around this kind of undercurrent of apologetics, you know, kind of always ending up back in this kind of place of talking about creation, talking yeah. about science but not often going to the kind of the more detailed um, kind of or nuanced opinion. I just wonder if we're just not ready for it yet still as a, a kind of predominantly increasingly secularist well, society. Well, again, I think Christians have won the are winning the argument on a on a very intense theolo- um, intellectual level, you know, on a kind of higher echelons level. We are having those those great really important debates but again on a more popular level i still think the average non-christian just thinks that science in some way has disproved the bible and so actually i think it's our fault as christians our you know we as christians in our in our apologetics perhaps we've just been speaking to the experts and haven't been speaking to people where they're actually at and getting the message out there on a kind of on a kind of the god delusion level so the god delusion was an incredibly popular book normal people who weren't intellectual or scientific seem to buy and read it and believe it and so i think our apologetics to counter some of those um, misunderstandings that somehow science has disproved religion we need to, to meet people on that level going back to your point about the shack and the case for christ arguably that's why those films are a good thing because they're watched by normal people who didn't go to oxford or cambridge but think that somehow science has disproved um religion and, and maybe that's a way in i mean just quickly on that point although i was quite critical of the shack um my understanding of the case for christ i haven't seen it myself but the production values are much better than the average christian film and although i didn't like the shack i i would have to admit that the production values weren't as bad as i was fearing again from a kind of typical christian film yeah. um and, and not to be too too harsh to uh, to terry and his, and his friends his friends on that side of the pond but the average christian film production values they just haven't been very good yeah. and i think that might be changing 
I hope it is changing because I think then if you're a non-Christian going to see the case for Christ, you're not put off by, oh, that's terrible acting or that's just a ridiculous script. If those things are good, then you're more in a position where you're ready to be able to hear the arguments behind that film and you're not just put off by how it looks. And Terry, you are close to some of these kind of things and certainly yes. you know some of these people in the communities. Do you think that there is a finally an understanding coming through from uh, both from Hollywood but also from kind of these other... Um, other places where people are trying to create this kind of content that has a spiritual message that they actually have to get that quality point right Absolutely. now is Absolutely. that is that changing yeah i think that uh, i think that there's been the appropriate shift in that direction to recognize the the sub the subpar quality that was that was rolling out was actually hurting the messaging mm-hmm. um, and and i think that that's heard loud and clear and and working hard along those lines it's uh it's it's a tension and a challenge that i know you know inside of that is because the film and all of that is is that it's 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 a money game right i mean it costs a lot of resource to get in um to get in that and you've got to be funded really well and and you've got to do really well and and it's kind of a chicken and egg of that since that industry has not done so well in the past is is it's a big investment to get into you know to get into that uh and do that well but i it's being it's loud and clear and i think the right energy is there and i i completely agree with you is that we haven't done ourselves a service in some of the some of the content that's released but um i do believe that um we can improve that and 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 that the right people are focused on that and delivering some better content it's, it seems like the, the direction really is is quite positive and i compare it actually to christian music you don't have to go back too far you know a few decades perhaps to listen to christian music and it was just so far away from how the mainstream standard in terms of quality whereas now arguably i think a lot of christian music is just as good if not better as what the mainstream is putting out in terms of the production values and you know christians have invested in things like making sure you record in a decent studio and pay the money to get a good producer and absolutely and like you say i think that's beginning to happen more with film and that can only be a good thing just interesting as we're on to this kind of topic around the case for Christ, you know, so the the U version app, you're carrying a number of uh, reading plans around the film right now, and I know the various partnerships in the past that we've kind of talked about with uh, whether it comes to whether it's the the Bible uh, TV series, uh, you know, on Discovery and on the History Channel and those kind of partnerships. How much do you think these are real cultural touch points that actually drive people to investigate faith more? Do you actually see a kind of trajectory into things like the app and reading plans off the back of those those moments? Absolutely, I remember. I remember it was like yesterday when the uh, the Bible series launched, and we worked with Mark uh, Mark Burnett and, and his wife Roma, um, great partners of ours, and and um, uh, a few of us were were sitting um, sitting in a living room when that series um, aired at the very beginning, and uh, and there was kind of the call to action for get the Bible app. Um, and we saw astronomical response wow. um, to that and the downloads, um, the downloads going up um, immediately. And then what was so cool in watching through, through that, uh, that story is we would watch what people were searching for uh, inside the app. And so when, um, when different elements of, of the narrative and the story of the Bible were going on in the series, we would watch the search queries inside the app. And so it immediately showed that connection, um, that connection to what am I watching on TV to what I'm searching for um, in the app and so it did draw lots of of I want to know more and 
you know, there are many that that were very um, critical of the content inside of you know inside of the show. Yeah, and, definitely a challenging and, series. Yeah, you know, Ninja uh, yeah. Ninja Angels, uh, for example, I think was probably a yeah. key uh, search uh, term yes, at that I period. I remember that. Was that the um, was that Lot? Was that Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, I think it was around about that. It was all around about that. So so without getting too much into <laughs> theology from from those from from those pieces, what what we love seeing is that at least what on screen um, was doing, it was driving of, I wanna go learn more about that. Were there actually ninjas in the Bible? Uh, yes, and yes so, there were. So, so then, <laughs> then at least drives them to the, the complete truth um, to, actually, yeah. to actually engage in that. And that's what we loved seeing. Um, and we'll get more into it, but for, for, for us, it's all about engagement. It's all about getting, getting immersed in God's word on a regular basis. And, and that's what we like to see. We wanna see people continuing to come back and back and back and so so we did see with that that with that series there there on a whole different topic there are other things that we see it's beautiful seeing the trends but quite some time ago um, during during Whitney Houston's funeral and and the pastor who um, who led that pulled out his phone to read scripture we immediately saw a spike in our statistics um, at that very moment when that happened um, is because someone was there tweeted it and then we just saw the impact from that same thing in in, in America we have this thing called football um, uh, the American <laughs> no, you football don't. no you don't uh, um, that, <laughs> that's that going to be a very controversial I'm going to get emails about uh, that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, but in Super Bowl, we've got multiple things when when you've got jerseys pulled off and you've got scripture on and we see stats, uh, we see our stats go up. It's like, what is that? Wow. And so there's definitely a correlation that we absolutely see of what people are watching on television that they want to go learn more about what that is. And we see that in the Bible app with our statistics and, and usage. So. We definitely see a correlation. Well, I think this is going to be really interesting of whether or not the case of Christ manages to do it or whether it's going to be the next year kind of Beyonce track, whatever that might be. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
be the pop phenomena it has the ability to push people into take up a reading plan that's a cool thing and we're going to get I just want to know how you have the inside track on what Beyonce is about to release hey look some of us have to be in the know this is is James we're talking about I, I like to keep my connections close to my chest but if you would like to know some of them then you can do something for me which is as I mentioned at the top of the show come and meet us in person at the conference coming up in a couple of weeks time and after the break we'll be coming back to talk a little bit more with Terry about his journey with the Bible app and what it means in today's culture plus an exclusive about something new coming to the app in just a couple of weeks time back and we are back live in the studio this is odd for those of you who have been podcast regulars with a lot somewhere it's kind of live you're listening to it on the podcast but it's live enough um, an interview with uh, terry storch our guest from uh version or should i say the digerati team at life church looking after all sorts of things but we're going to talk specifically a little bit about the bible app now um all I can say is it's a phenomena uh, for the past 10 years. One of the first apps to launch on the App Store back when Apple first opened it uh, for iOS and since then has gone from strength to strength um, with recent features launching such as Streaks most recently. Some of you will be avid users, I'm sure, of daily reading plans or just getting into your favourite version, whatever it is that you've used it before. There's a lot to learn, I think, from the model that Terry and the team um, have developed over a number of years, both in terms of the way in which they develop content but also the way in which it continues to be a kind of cultural anchor point for a lot of people in their weekly use of the bible so uh, it's an honor and privilege to have you in the studio thanks for taking the time out to kind of chat to us and um terry just tell us a little bit about the bible app where it is at the moment because it's come a long way right so what's where are we kind of in the journey of the app is this the end of the beginning or are you kind of we're at the beginning of the end how do you feel about it that's a (laughs) that's a really uh great question thank you so much for having me it's just an honor to be here with you guys and and it has been an incredible journey. You you said it there in the uh, in the introduction is that the Bible app um, by by if I won't have the opportunity to tell the whole story, um, but if you knew the whole story, you would realize that this is absolutely a God thing because we still have hardly any idea what we're doing. Um, but when we started this thing nearly ten years ago, um, we really had no idea what we were doing. So the fact that that in the first 200 apps that Apple launched um, in the in the iOS App Store, we had the privilege of being being in that first 200. And so since the very beginning of when an app was on an iPhone, the Bible was there, um, and that was our goal. That was our goal from day one. And and as I tell that story, and and I'll get into where we are today, but as I tell that story, is that um, that was on a Friday. Um, we came and looked at our stats on a Sunday, and within those first three days, we had 87,000 devices around the world that downloaded the Bible app um, in the first few days. And it was at that moment in time, the part-time team member um, that was building websites for us and doing all the <laughs> other things and was an 18-year-old kid um, that loved everything Apple, um, that that part-time job that he had of building a, a very first iOS app became his full-time job on Monday. And the fast-forwarding of that story, 87,000, now I have it right in front of me live. I see the numbers ticking, so as people are listening to this, they're downloading it, 287 million 
million uh, one hundred and seventeen thousand three hundred and thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen <laughs> seventeen. Um, so at an uptick at about five million five point five million a month, um, new devices globally being installed, and and that's where we are today. Um, and it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. So. And of course, it's not just the amount of people that that are downloading it to you guys, but obviously there's a lot, um, one of the most engaged with applications as well on the App Store, I think is fair to say. I mean, you know, people are in there a lot of the time, right? I mean, that, that, what, what kind of things do you see in terms of the habits and behaviors and how have those changed? So I'm so glad you bring that up. And I know that you mentioned streaks at the beginning because um, these are big, fun numbers to talk about. We celebrate them. Um, they're all over our offices and that's what most right. people want to know because um, those are the big numbers that we celebrate. Um, internally, our goal is really, really simple. Um, our goal is to engage people in God's word regularly. Um, and so the big numbers of installs are important is because you need to have access to the Bible. Um, but we actually believe that the biggest problem is not so much access, it's engagement. Um, and so it's people engaging in God's word. And, and we all recognize, and I think most of our listeners here know that, that God's word is transformational um, and it is living and it will transform us. And so our goal from day one with Version was not to try and be a seminary tool that, that kind of caters to that. That's very important. And there's many of them out there that do a great job. We viewed our job is how do we bring the skeptics, the the, the I have no idea what to do with the Bible. Um, the at the time the survey uh, and still the survey data says is that I really really want to read the Bible. I just don't know how and I don't do a great job at it. That's our slice of the pie that we want to work with and really help people move from I'm interested or sort of intrigued to actually becoming an everyday an everyday reader. And so that forces all of our decisions, drives everything that we do um, to how do we work through new features, new tool sets, new ways of looking um, at app integration um, and leveraging that technology to do what many other great devices and apps do out there that suck you into certain things. Yeah. We we want to figure out how do we, if you're going to be in technical terms addicted to your device, um, which is I actually think is a problem, um, I at least would like you to be addicted to the Bible um, and and it's instead not, of all of the, the other. Not the worst advice to the, have. Not, yeah. and, so, and one of the things that you guys have done to actually really actively play into that space, you know, many of our listeners day to day are having to deal with how do I get more engaged how do I get people hanging around on my content longer? You know, the articles that I write, or if you're on the back end listening to this and you're creating kind of the systems or managing content, you know, kind of in all these different parts, you know, there's a constant um, shift towards retention, right? A constant shift towards people engaging with your stuff. And um, one of the things you mentioned up top is uh, streaks, which is something that's just come to the app. So, you know, very simply put, this is, you know, kind of recording how many days you're logging into the app, how many days you're in a row that you're engaging God's word and the, the counter resetting every time that you manage to miss a day. Uh, which as we were showing someone else earlier this, this afternoon my app and I realized I missed three days of my plan he pointed that out and I was like yeah I feel bad about that so yeah, <laughs> should we be feeling bad about missing these days like what why are we putting gamification into the yeah. Bible yeah it's a great it's <laughs> a great question um, we we 
um, process that internally as a product team um, regularly and and navigate lots of those decisions and our our philosophy um, along those lines is from a from a gamification standpoint um, in in all of the challenges that that word may may have in it is simple to go back to the fact is that that we don't necessarily feel um, that um, that it's our competitor is other Bible apps or anything along those lines. Our competitor is every other app that sits on your phone. <laughs> Absolutely right. That that is drawing your attention and is has has teams hundred times larger than ours, and their monetization factor is based on that you're going to have their app open. Um, we feel like those are our competitors, and that's that's the competition that is vying for everybody's um, energy space and and attention space. And so we have to work really, really hard and 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 walk through some of those fine lines to figure out how do we play in that space well to get you engaged uh, engaged in a book that you desire to be engaged in, but struggle sometimes to to actually do it on a regular basis. So, streaks, for instance was not nearly the first but one of the the feature sets that we that we released to tackle that problem very specific in in the app ecosystem there is a term um, that's called DAUs daily active users and then MAUs monthly active users and so it's a it's a term that all your major social networks everybody's very aware of that and and advertisers look at that and they they look for they look for those numbers going up and so so that's a number internally that we celebrate as well, is that we want to drive our daily active users up for very different motivation reasons, is most of the competitors, i.e. large social medias, it's all about advertising dollars. It's all about a revenue stream. Um, for us, it's all about a heart issue. It's all about getting people engaged in God's Word on an everyday basis. So daily active usage is very, very keen to us. We look at that. At a macro scale, we look at that at a micro scale, and Streaks was very much specifically launched to impact our, our DAUs and to drive that. And you know what's happened? It's driven it up. I'm pretty sure um, it has. <laughs> and, and we've seen the results that we were hoping for is that people actually caring about that. They care about um, their, oh my gosh, I forgot. Um, because again, we, we believe what that data tells us. We believe that people want to engage in God's word. But life happens and, and, and it's crazy and everything's vying for our attention. And depending where you're at in, in, in your walk with Christ is, is if you're early in that journey, you don't even know why you should be. You were just told that. <laughs> um, and so, so we want to we help that. And if there's anything that we can do to move that DAU up, again, not for advertising dollars, not for any other reason, but just to get God's Word engaged in you, we're going we're gonna to kind of push the, you know, push the envelope there. And we've seen that. We've seen astronomical growth. Um, in in our DAUs, and we've got a really cool visual dashboard 
um, that our team that our team stares at um, that uh, that we see um, that we see the street counts on a global map and so we see the street counts all over the world and we see where people are um, with their with their street counts and and it just it's just a cool thing for us to, to look at and see see is it working and monitoring that and continuing to move you know to move the needle on that and so you're planning on, I assume sending out new iPhone 10s to all the people with the biggest street counts and things like that and, and uh, you, you stole my you stole my thunder at the end of the show. Um, no, I know that's not the exclusive, but you did want to tell us about a couple of things that are coming up because one of the things that I think is super interesting, along with the gamification thing, is also the role of social. That's right. So this whole thing about making the Bible more of a social experience than an isolated. I'm just reading it on my own, and I know that that's something that's been dear to your heart as well. So that's right. why don't you just tell us a little bit about what it is that you've got coming on that front? Yeah, so exclusive here. I haven't talked publicly uh, about that. Uh, we internally and with all our teams, everybody knows what we're working on, but um, there have been two really major features that have been launched in the last in the last 36 months um, that we've seen massive momentum behind. Um, the first one of that is just the social feature of that when when we added the ability for friending and those pieces to come in and we, we internally even struggle with even leveraging the word social around that um, because of all the context of what social media sites have. For us, the simple concept there is, is that actually looking historically with the Bible is that it's actually a very modern view of reading the Bible individually and by yourself in the grand scheme scheme of, of multi-thousands of years is that reading the Bible solo is kind of a modern take on that. Absolutely. Um, but historically, you would see that that would happen in community a bit more. And so so that's one of the things around social for us and launching that is that we wanted people to be able to engage in God's Word in community and and have that conversation around the Bible. So that was, that was the, the social side of it. Friending side came along with that, um, but then plans. When we released plans, which which was it's the highly highest usage function inside of our app, because I actually think that's what helps people take a lot of complex things. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to do, and really simplify that and allowing me engage in daily in daily readings. And so we we're not that smart. And so what we decided to do is like, what are the two areas that have the biggest momentum and the biggest movement? forward and what would it look like to bolt those together and so a feature that's coming in the coming weeks I'm not sure when the show's going to launch but uh, um, but but in just a few weeks we'll be launching it's called plans with friends and what it just simply on the term allows people to do is to jump inside the Bible app start a plan you can still do a plan by yourself and stay you know stay stay by yourself um, and what most people realize they can do is that that can be a private and so it wouldn't even show up in your fee you know inside or it can be a public uh, a public plan to your friends but the new feature that's launching is I can invite a group of friends um, with me and do the Bible reading together I have a I have an alpha build on my on, on my device right here and looking at it and and if if anyone here is a normal um, Bible app user, you'll know kind of how that that day works and that you're going through it and you have your reading. One thing that we added at the end of every single day is a component called Talk It Over. 
And so now after I'm done reading my devotional and my word is that uh, the, the interface prompts me to discuss it. So what did I read today? Did God speak to me today? Was there anything that just jumped out of this? And it encourages me to discuss that. And then that's just in that, that group of friends that I invited to that, uh, to that reading plan. So for instance, I've got one in my beta build here um, that's just with my family. So I've got a 16-year-old daughter, 13-year-old daughter, and my wife. And we're, we have the ability to do a plan together as a family. So every day we're in God's word together and we're discussing that uh, inside the Bible app, just creating that conversation. We see a big use case of this in groups. You know, churches have small groups and Absolutely. groups and, and courses and, different, and everything else, you know, courses and those things. So it can be as small as, as a husband and a wife or, or just a accountability group of a couple guys doing it to as broad, you know, to as broad as a larger group to be able to do that together. And so that's a feature that'll be launching in the next couple of weeks. That's super exciting. And the, the platform has grown, as you mentioned, those numbers up top you know, significantly in that time. There must have been a tipping point moment for you along the way where you went from going like, this is something we're trying. And obviously that opening weekend, that 87,000 or yeah. so of that first weekend must have been a, a kind of, you know, that rang some alarm bells. But what was the point when you felt like you'd gone from a stage of doing something that felt like it was in beta, it was very early days, to suddenly like, oh, we, we have something here. Like this is a, this is going to be part of like our legacy for the church yeah. because it is. It's you know something that's globally shifted the way in which people engage with the Bible on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, that will be part of your legacy and the team's legacy. When did that begin to sink in, or, or has it yet? Yeah. <laughs> We know that 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 God is is ultimately the reason that this exists, and so there there is a there's a humble posture that comes with it. So even answering that question um, of a legacy is is hard because it makes me feel like and it makes the team feel like this is ours and that we did it, um, which which is just hard for me to even see it that way. Is that we what we talk about is. Um, um, and what God has blessed through all of this is that we don't take it t- we don't we don't take it lightly. We steward that well, and we tr- we try and make all of the appropriate decisions. We try and we try and resource it well. We try and and in all these product decisions, none of those are ever taken lightly. I mean, we we are really processing what's the right thing, so we don't take this lightly. Um, but we also, at that same time, have the term is that we don't take it uh, we 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 don't hold it tightly, and so we're very very open-handed is that the YouVersion Bible app would not exist today without amazing coalition of partners. Um, if we did not have the right partners with the Bible translations that come alongside and believe in getting God's Word out, we wouldn't exist. Um, if we didn't have the 1,600 partners with the reading plans and that growing, um, we wouldn't exist either. And so we, we, we don't hold that tightly. And so we don't believe it's ours. Um, so there's absolutely truth that the legacy is going to live on and all of those things. But my prayer through all of that is that that legacy is through every partner, every Bible society, everyone that's been been a part of seeing this, is that it's a collective celebration of it's God's Word. Um, and we're just stewarding. We're just stewarding the actual app that sits on your phone. And we also recognize, and we don't have time for this, is that it's an app today, but we're also not locked in to... to we, we are all about people engaging in God's word. 
God's Word right now um, is accessible on a mobile device, and that's what we see. But that methodology, we're not locked into. And so we have no earthly idea in five years, 10 years, and all of that, that it's going to be an app on your phone um, is the primary way. And so if that's what it is today, down the road, that could change. And we want to be agile enough to respond to whatever that is. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be in the studio with us. Uh, We're going to be back right after this with uh, some of our recommendations for other things that you might want to be downloading. But in the meantime, you can go and find out more about the Bible app at Bible.com or uversion.com and go and download your download your app get into a plan get that street count up and maybe terry will send you an iphone or somewhere or other that's right <laughs> but thanks so much for joining us and we'll be back after the break as we talk more about our recommendations for what's coming up uh, this month that you should be reading that you should be watching you should be downloading and everything else in between we'll see you in a second back with the playlist a strong digitally focused downloadable assortment of goods that you'll enjoy okay uh, first uh, sam over to you something that you are excited to recommend to the listeners this month what have you got well i watched an amazing documentary this month what a surprise uh, <laughs> how dare you i've recommended music on this program before and podcast for that very true but you are a bit of a, a, a docu junkie i, I think am i word. make no apologies for it and the really interesting thing about this one it's called icarus it's on netflix i'm not a sporty kind of guy really i don't know much about the sporting world but this documentary gripped me and it was two hours long which is a long time these days to sit down and just watch something but it absolutely gripped me it's all about this guy called ben fogel uh, sorry brian fogel even that's definitely not the right uh, no different fogel a uh, different fogel uh who was an amateur cyclist and he was kind of inspired in a bad way by lance armstrong who as we all know got found out for his doping he thought well on an amateur level can i in, if i inject the right stuff can i be better be a better cyclist and he gets in touch with this russian doctor who's quite a high level russian doctor and um they end up skyping and what's brilliant is they film this whole conversation and this uh this russian is basically telling him what to inject um but as time goes on and what what makes this documentary so brilliant is it turns out this russian doctor is the same russian doctor who ultimately runs away from russia to america to the new york times and breaks this international uh, story that the Russians on a state level have been sponsoring doping in the Olympics and actually across all kinds of sports in general and this this doctor on Skype isn't just any old Russian doctor, he's a really high level guy in Russia who's basically been responsible for um, state sponsored doping and just the way they managed to capture this entire story in a documentary is absolutely incredible, I don't really want to say too much more about it because so much more happens in the documentary I'm yeah, not going to spoil it, don't give it away um, but it's well worth checking out on Netflix, it's called Icarus. Okay, Icarus on Netflix. Go check that one out. Uh, Terry, you might have a recommendation or two for us. What yeah, you, I'll, do two, I'll do two really quick. I have my phone open and what are my most used apps? And you may have talked about this one in the past, but one of my favorite apps is called Pocket. Um, so Pocket is an app where it's my reading list. So anything as I'm surfing the web, looking at certain content, and I don't have the ability to read it right then, I send it to my Pocket. Um, and so it becomes an archive list of things I'm really interested in reading 
reading, which happens for me a lot. I consume a lot of content, so I really, really like Pocket. Another thing for me is consuming content is books, um, and I think you might have something here uh, in a moment about it. So I'm going to throw out a book, um, but it's in it's in audiobook because I love Audible, um, and it goes back to uh, not so much doping, but from a sports standpoint. Uh, there's a book called The Captain Class, which is a really interesting, really interesting book of what um, what a journalist um, came to find out the best qualities of a leader um, and what would he find in sports that, that kind of determines the best leader. Captain Class is a really great, really great book. But my favorite book uh, in probably this year that I have listened to and read is by Mel Robbins. It's called The Five Second Rule. The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. I highly recommend. Um, it's a super practical way to improve your life and in five seconds can you tell us what the rule is or does people have to go and read that <laughs> five four three two one act stop sitting on uh, stop sitting on whatever you're thinking about because if you're waiting for the right feeling to do something you're never going to feel like getting out of bed you're never going to feel like going to the gym you're never going to feel like doing something hard so so at a super high level it gives you a practical tangible ability to take things from I've always wanted to do that I've always wanted to develop this habit I've never figured out a way to do it how do I act on it the five second rule love that very much and as we were talking about books as you mentioned that is one of the ones that i would recommend going and checking out on a other app that i'm going to recommend this month going into the app theme here but these are you know it's an app show today we've got you know terry here we're talking about the bible app so other than downloading those ones i would also recommend to you something called blinkist now blinkist is a really interesting uh, platform they basically do the work of distilling all of these amazing uh, non-fiction books out there in the world for you whether it's some of them are uh, christian theology uh, theological books some are kind of the more pop psychology kind of space some of this kind of whole area of behavioral economics distilling it down into kind of 15 minute readable or listenable versions of those so kind of stripping out some of the amazing case studies you know kind of distilling the key arguments and then turning it into new apps so it's called blinkist uh, go and try that one out and if you want to get started on blinkist a book that i would recommend to you as well to get going on is something i've been reading this month uh which i think is absolutely phenomenal called radical candor uh and if you've not read radical candor it is all about this way of um presenting yourself in kind of a leadership way and being really real with people but also caring about them super compassionately uh, i think if you are in a leadership position either in the church or in business that is one for you so go check that out um radical candor it is just yeah phenomenal book and go check that out on blinkist so all that to say we've got lots of cool recommendations for you but the thing that we cannot recommend more highly than anything else is if you want to come and dig into these subjects and more please come and join us at the church and media conference on thursday the 19th of october you can still get your tickets if you're listening to this now over on eventbrite or you can find out more on themedianet.org so that's the 19th of october go and check out the conference and we hope to be seeing you there where sam ruth i and many others will be many others many others that aren't on the podcast now but we'll be in future episodes because we're going to be recording a bunch of interviews there we're going to be catching up with a bunch of our contributors from past episodes and doing a few special things there on site so if you're around you may get a microphone shoved mm. in your face but if you're listening to this you're probably used to that anyway so that's all fine um if you want to connect with the media net you can do that in several ways you can give us feedback you can ask us questions and you can get in touch with us first place might be to do that over on twitter and you can reach each of us individually i'm at james polter sam at sam Hales. and terry you can reach 
at Terry Storch over on the Twitter so go and ask questions there give feedback on the show and you can also find out more about the Media Net follow at the Media Net on Twitter you can also get in touch with us on Facebook and join the Facebook group if you're not part of the church um, the Christians in Journalism uh, Christians in the Media sorry Facebook group uh, go and join that as well that will give you a bunch of connections we've seen loads of you joining into the group there and starting new discussions just sharing what you're up to and uh, you know taking prayer requests all sorts of things there so go and do that too See, so many things you can get involved with. You all get it by just listening to the podcast here. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us on this episode of Signal. Thank you very much to Terry for joining us. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. And thanks again to Sam for always standing by with something interesting to say. You're very welcome. Yes, you are very good at that. I've been James Poulter, and we will see you next month here on Signal from the Media Net. called Ben Fogel uh, sorry Brian Fogel even that's definitely not the right uh, no different Fogel hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.